Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of Southern California and USC. I'm Kevin Gramling coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. It's Monday, March 27th, 2023. On today's show, protests erupt in Israel and around the world as Netanyahu proposes changes to the judiciary system. USC students join a protest in Santa Monica to advocate for more affordable housing and we talked to the team from Reuters that won the 2023 Selden Ring Award. All that and more on From Where We Are, after these news headlines. From Annenberg Media, I'm Fernando Sinfuegos. The Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, announced today that he is going to delay his plans to overhaul judicial rules. The Prime Minister's right-wing government is seeking to give itself greater control over the selection of Supreme Court justices and limit the court's authority over Parliament. These plans have set off protests and work stoppages, inciting one of the deepest domestic crises in the country's history. Six people died, including three children, after a female shooter opened fire today at a private Christian school in Nashville. The 28-year-old female, who was a former student at the school, fatally shot three children and three staff members before being shot and killed by the police. The woman was armed with two assault-style rifles and a handgun. President Biden told a press conference he is disheartened by the events. We have to do more to stop gun violence. It's ripping our communities apart, ripping the soul of this nation, ripping at the very soul of the nation. California is looking to spend Medicaid funds on housing for the unhoused population. This decision comes after the Biden administration granted Arizona and Oregon permission to use the funds, citing that research showed stable housing improves health. Governor Gavin Newsom proposed spending $100 million per year on the program. Walt Disney began their big wave of layoffs today. The company plans to cut around 7,000 jobs in an effort to help finances. The first wave of employees facing layoffs will be notified by Disney bosses in the coming days. After a week of protests and no school for students, students of the LA Unified School District are back in school. This comes after LAUSD reached a tentative deal with the striking workers, who include staff, bus drivers, special education assistants, and custodians. The district agreed on the key demands of the suggested contract, which includes a 30% pay increase, bonus payments, and fully paid health benefits. Many of our headlines today are a bit heavy, so I thought I would inspire some hope in humanity. Instead of taking a three-day vacation during the LAUSD strike, dozens of students lined up outside LAUSD's main offices and stood in solidarity with the district's staff. The rally was led by a group called Students Deserve, a coalition of students, parents, and teachers. Students Deserve stands for divesting funds from LA school police in order to invest in the futures of their black students. As written on their website, the heart of our work is our vision for what black youth and communities deserve. Now returning to our stories, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced today that he would suspend proposed changes to the country's judicial system. Netanyahu's plans had thrown Israel into turmoil and civil unrest. Opponents say it would weaken the Supreme Court's ability to rule against the legislative and executive branches and thus weaken Israeli democracy. Across Israel, 
demonstrators took to the streets in huge numbers to protest. Workers at universities, in transportation, and in restaurants went on strike and called for more before Netanyahu announcing he was temporarily freezing the bill. He told the nation, when there is the possibility of preventing a civil war, through dialogue, I, as the prime minister, take a time out for dialogue. Ben Cohen reports. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis took to the streets this weekend, protesting Prime Minister Netanyahu's suggested judiciary reform. According to Netanyahu, Israel's Supreme Court has unchecked power, but others contend the changes would give Netanyahu even more control in his third stint as Israel's longest-serving prime minister. Israel's defense minister, Yoav Gallant, publicly opposed Netanyahu's reform and was subsequently fired. Barak Ziv El, USC Hillel's Israel fellow, noted the country's political uncertainty. Israel's gone through four um, elections, actually five elections, in less than four years. So the political system in Israel is really, really not stable in the last few years. Netanyahu was re-elected as prime minister of Israel in 2022, and the new government that he leads operates on a right-wing and religious platform. J.J. Goldberg has reported on Israel in the Middle East since the 1970s. He isn't surprised that Israelis have come out in droves to oppose the proposed legislation. It's simple patriotism. They want to preserve the Israel that they love. Um, This is not fighting against Israel for them. It's fighting against a government that is tearing Israel apart. At Hillel's USC outpost, an iced coffee machine hums over the sound of hurried preparations. Tomorrow, Hillel will host a shuk, or farmer's market, on campus to distribute Israeli food and jewelry and spread Israeli culture in advance of the Jewish holiday of Passover. Freshman Carmel Schwartz's thoughts, though, are elsewhere. Before Israel announced the delay, Schwartz said the country was almost tearing itself apart. Israel is slowly but surely falling apart. My family group chats have turned from my aunt posting selfies of her running on the beach and my uncle sharing cute photos of his dog to warnings of where to and not to go out of fear of um, protests turning violent and terrorist attacks occurring. Um, There was even discussion today about Jewish people attacking Jewish people, which is practically unheard of. And, Schwartz says, the problem with this issue from an American perspective is it's bringing even more bad press towards Israel. Americans who are already on edge of supporting Israel and believing in the importance of the state of Israel are now even further opposed because one of the biggest things that ties America to Israel is democracy. Israel's democracy is no doubt facing a steep challenge. But the mass protests, which have succeeded in at least delaying new legislation, have proven a dedication to preserving a democratic Israel. For Annenberg Media, I'm Ben Cohen. Over the years, renting in Los Angeles keeps getting more expensive. And today, a small crowd rallied in Santa Monica to protest in front of the Blackstone Group's offices, the largest landlord in the United States. Kimberly Aguirre reports. Three hundred thousand. This is how many rental units Blackstone owns and manages over the country. 
And after buying large amounts of rental properties, especially in San Diego, the corporate group raised the rent of some units up to 43 to 64%. The group also proceeded to over 1,000 evictions in 2022, in some of which tenants only owed one month rent, according to a report from the Private Equity Stakeholder Project and Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment. For Kelly Lloyd, who came to protest in front of the company offices, the corporate landlords used laws such as AB 1482 for their advantage. They've been able to exploit the law to get tenants out with using no fault evictions, something like, you know, substantial renovation. In many cases, these renovations don't take place or they're not substantial. Armed with vast legal resources, companies then raise rent by almost half with few challenges, a practice that sometimes forces community members to leave neighborhoods they have spent generations in. Abdullah Muhammad, a longtime resident of South Central, believes that California Senate Bill 567 can protect tenants. What we're trying to do with uh, SB 567 is put a cap on how high they can raise the rent. SB 567 tailors rent increases to max out at 5% per year. So the bill aims to sew up the loophole in AB 1482, hemming corporations' pockets so they don't get even deeper. More rent control may also let the pressure out of LA's burgeoning housing crisis. And 70% of Los Angeles housing is owned by corporate landlords. This is contributing to the homelessness crisis in ways that are unimaginable. Increased rent has been linked to increased homelessness. A 2022 study by the Government Accountability Office showed that increasing median rent by $100 was associated with about a 10% increase in homelessness. The stark statistic highlights the precariousness of many Americans' housing insecurity, not just Californians. However, these protests represent an important first stitch in weaving a more affordable housing market. For Annenberg Media, I'm Kimberly Aguirre. Blackstone sees the situation very differently. A Blackstone spokesperson sent Annenberg Media the following. The report and statements are riddled with inaccuracies and mischaracterizations. We believe we have the most favorable resident policies among any large landlord in the U.S., including not making a single non-payment eviction for over two years during COVID. We operate in accordance with California's rent stabilization laws and are invest- investing $100 million to make these communities better places to live. I'm Kevin Gramling. We're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. It's 10 minutes past the hour, and coming up, we have a look into this year's Selden Ring Award winners. The 2023 Selden Ring Investigative Journalism Award was highly contested. This year, 86 investigative journalism entries came in from across the the country. Chosen by a team of judges, the Selden Ring was awarded to Reuters for their work, Nightmare in Nigeria. Nikki Berylson has a story on this year's winning team. The Selden Ring Award was created by businessman and philanthropist Selden Ring. He believed, in the aftermath of Watergate, that investigative journalism would save the United States. 34 years into the future, it is lauded as a spotlight that highlights investigative journalism's impact locally, nationally, and globally. This year, Annenberg gave the $50,000 prize to Reuters reporters Paul Karsten, David Lewis, Reed Levinson, and Libby George for their filmed and written work, Nightmare in Nigeria. 
This report described the Nigerian military's secret abortion program that forcefully terminated the fetuses of women impregnated by the Islamist insurgency group Boko Haram. This forceful program resulted in the death of thousands of children of which the team covered. But the real story is how the Reuters investigative team found the story. The idea of women caught in the crossfire of a violent political power struggle started with a reporter who was originally on a different story and a source whose information led to something more. Reuters editor Julie Marquise received the award on behalf of the Reuters team. She talked about this coincidental discovery. The reporter who uh, found out about this story was actually working on something else uh, related to the military when he found out about it. He was having a conversation with a contact and he uh, half facetiously, but half because he really understood the subject, um, asked, you know, what what is the army army doing aborting children? This led the team to dig deeper. With the reporters knowing that the Nigerian military wanted to root out Boko Haram, reporters started to discover exactly how, by terminating pregnancies and young children born from insurgents. Marquise highlighted how even if they were not expecting a response, they looked into it regardless. Um, And uh, surprisingly, uh, the source responded, uh, how did you find out about that? And how did we know we wanted to pursue it fully? We had to... You know, obviously, this was a jolting uh, lead, and so we switched gears immediately. The team's determination to deliver the stories of women who were enslaved by Boko Haram and whose children were killed by the Nigerian military was a driving force from start to finish. Reporters Karsten, Lewis, Levinson, and George wrote for the women fighting a battle that was forced upon them. But with such a delicate story, the team had to approach it with care. Despite protecting their sources being the primary concern, they didn't let the themes of the story hinder their coverage. Um, We wanted everyone to know what was going on in Nigeria, and we didn't pull any punches on that. And we weren't, you know, we weren't going to, we didn't sit around thinking, oh, we shouldn't include this because it's going to repulse or frighten people. I mean, we thought the world needed to know precisely what was going on. What we we were most concerned about was the safety of our uh, sources. Obviously, these these stories were, uh, you know, more harrowing than most of us had ever worked on before. Um, but, but that in no way kept us from pursuing the story. For their bravery, and even more so the sources, Reuters received the 2023 Selden Ring. The reporters continued to cover the unfolding story of the Nigerian military's brutal treatment of women and the global response to the conflict. For Annenberg Media, I'm Nikki Berelson. While the Victorian era may seem like a lost period, there happens to be a handful of homes left from this era right here in the University Park neighborhood. Just a mile away from the USC campus is the Richmond Durfee Historical House, home to three USC grad students. In this story, we'll hear from the homeowner and the three tenants as they discuss preserving history in Los Angeles and the experience of living in a historical home. Grace Murray produced that story about her own experience living in a Victorian home in Los Angeles. I first saw the pink lady as a backdrop in a glamorous Gucci perfume commercial starring Miley Cyrus. She runs through the front yard with a fluffy cat and dogs. She struts up the front steps, she swings the front doors open, and steps out onto a glimmering beach. 
since opened those doors hundreds of times. I can confidently say they don't open up to a beach oasis. But they do transport visitors back 160 years to the Victorian era. I love houses. Ann Dorr is the owner of this house. It's listed as a Los Angeles Historic Cultural Monument, and Dorr has maintained its history and appearance all these years. She purchased it with her husband, Ed, in 1989. My husband said to me, there's a Victorian house down by USC I think you'd be interested in. I said, no way. I'm not going near USC. That's too dangerous. Anne wasn't all that interested in a Victorian house, but her husband convinced her to take a look at it. And I went, oh, what a gorgeous house. There was something really special about that house. And we walked in the front door and I said, nobody else can have this house. I knew I was meant to have this house. The wow factor is undeniable. A giant porch wraps around the front. It has colorful stained glass windows and every wall has a different shade of colorful paint or decorative wallpaper. I live here with two roommates who have an appreciation for historic buildings. My name is Emily Varley, and I have been living in the Pink Lady since August of 2021. When I first moved in, I was kind of like afraid to, to touch things, or like I was like, oh no, what if it breaks, or what if this is an antique? I had to learn how to be comfortable in the space and be grateful, I think. Emily is getting a dual master's degree in urban planning and heritage conservation at USC. I'm drawn to telling stories about our past and history and, you know, where we come from is, you know, really important to me. I'm Isabella Atkinson and I've been living in the Pink Lady since August 2022. I'm an architecture student, so I knew just like from being able to walk around the neighborhoods that I didn't want to live in like one of those bland new construction apartments. Some days we truly feel like we're living in an entirely different era. Our bedrooms are fitted with lace curtains. We draw them back every morning to let the light in. The wooden floorboards creak with every step, reminding us of the hundreds of feet that have passed through before us. All over the house you can find antique furniture, elaborate artwork, painted lamps, and historic photographs. But the feature of the house that brings us together the most as roommates is the antique stove. I feel like I have a relationship with this stove. Um, we've been through a lot. I've burned many things. It's a towering, massive white metal oven. It's set against mint green walls and black and white checkered flooring. It's the heart of the most eclectic and decorated kitchen I've ever seen. I love that stove, that 1918 stove <laughs> that still works. Every morning, afternoon, and evening, we take turns cooking our meals and talking over the kitchen's giant marble island. We mull over our days and laugh about the latest strange occurrences that have happened in the house. It took me like two weeks to make the, the burning stop in the stove just by virtue of using it. And honestly, I kind of like having to light the burners. I think it, you know, it adds more involvement into my cooking. Try this. <laughs> Our motto as roommates has become, there's never a dull moment around here. A phrase that's made its way into our vernacular as we navigate living somewhere between the Victorian past and the modern era. It's a strange juxtaposition. Living in the Pink Lady, you learn to treat things delicately and pay close attention to details. When I first moved in, I found myself examining every corner of the house, following the childhood rule of look, don't touch.
first time I saw the front room, I pictured a fantastic dinner party unfolding in the 1910s. I could see the women in their incredible gowns, the men dressed to the nines in their tuxedos, all sipping from crystal glasses. I imagined what it might sound like to hear the beautiful grand piano, that's still there, echoing through the gigantic doorways. I wanted it to be a place where people came and enjoyed it as much as I do. And I liked the idea of the Victorian age and the, the elegance and the, the way that the culture at the time, the way people, you know, entertained and everything was so elegant and lovely. And, you know, it was a chance to see a, a refined way of life. And I wanted the house to, to people enjoy it for that reason. The house originally belonged to Richmond and Caroline Durfee, a well-connected family with ties to the Avery Corporation. You know, the company that's famous for its development of self-adhesive labels. Anne has made sure that the Durfee family is an integral part of the house. There's a wall of their family photos in the entryway. I love the house for all of the meaning it carries, especially in the neighborhood, um, as well as you know the story it participates in in like the greater Los Angeles University Park. I'm grateful to feel so connected to the history of Los Angeles within the walls of the Pink Lady. Preserving pieces of its history is so important in a city that changes as much as Los Angeles. I think it brings that universal part of all of us that need to cherish our history. It captures that moment that we think we're living in right now where things are in turmoil and the politics are bad and all the da-da-da-da-da. And really, you go in here and you feel peace. And it's, it's surpassed wars, it's surpassed depressions, it's surpassed everything. There's a permanence here, a security here. And long after Isabella, Emily, and I have moved on, the Pink Lady will continue to be a place for generations of USC students. For Annenberg Media, I'm Grace Murray. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Valeria Diaz and Clémence Fagnot produced today's show. And we had help from Cissi Arenas, Vincent DeMonte, Mary Ann, Benjamin Cohen, Hayes Flanagan, Kimberly Aguirre, and Nikki Berylson. Our board operator is Fernando Cienfuegos. Our live stream manager, Rebecca Zhao, and Derek Renfrau composed our theme music. We're also streaming live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. Subscribe to From Where We Are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming in today. And you might have noticed that Sana is not here today. We miss her dearly, but she had to take a personal day. Um, but she can't escape us for very long. She will be back. Um, so tune in next week, and Son and I will be back with our wonderful banner. Banter. My gosh. Have a great week, y'all. <laughs>